I was watching an Insta 360 Go video uh, earlier today, I think. Now, how could you have been watching a video on that? Nobody made videos on that. <laughs> There's like a billion <laughs> videos. How much were they spending on marketing? I know. It's crazy. And I'm also wondering like how many of these they gave to people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. But we'll talk about we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I don't know, but but there was one where he was like, "Oh, this is there's something wrong with this," or like, "I'm having issues with this thing. I'm just going to stick gaff tape on it." And I was like, "I don't. That's just going to melt." <laughs> <laughs> but all right, I wish I could remember exactly what it was. It was in the in the Make Art Now one. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember what you're talking about. Okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. regardless, what what's what's in my what's in my pre-show here? Let me take a look. Oh, right. Are you familiar with the S five two? X Lumix camera. I am familiar with it. Definitely should, want one. Should I have said Mark II somewhere in there? Uh, probably. Okay. S5 well, II, Mark II. Whatever. We all know that that camera can shoot anamorphic, but what I didn't realize is that it shoots 4x3 anamorphic. Weird. And I thought that was impressive, and I felt like I felt like one, one should say it out loud just in case there was other people like me who are really into cameras but didn't know it can shoot 4x3. Is that... But I mean, is... I guess explain that to me. Is that good or bad? Because I, I would have thought you'd want to shoot at open gate, which I wouldn't think would be four by three. Right. So most of your cinema cameras, like your Aerial X's and that sort of thing, are four by three sensors, not three by two sensors. Okay. Three by two is a uniquely fo- photography thing. But whenever you get and so whenever you're getting like hybrid cameras, people using hybrids more and more for video, it's shoehorning a three by two into, you know anamorphic workflows okay with a lot of these new lenses mm-hmm. and it's like not a big deal for cinema people because they're over there with their four by three sensors and all that stuff but if you're using like more modern whatever like more traditional that's the word if you're using more traditional crop factors for your anamorphic lenses crop factors storm word also squeeze factors for your anamorphic lenses like, that, that's like the 1.33 1.5 yeah like, and you want like it like you know more squeeze more better and so 2x is kind of your golden standard of squeezing okay it's to get to like true scope like 2.4 to 1 2.39 to 1 on a 2x squeeze you need to be shooting on a four by three sensor. I like, see. That's like classic anamorphic four by three, two okay. X. And then, yeah, it's. So that's like the default. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's kind of like where you want to get and everything else is like some, some version of it. And I, the S five Mark two is a three by two sensor. The GH six is a four by three sensor. And so like some of that micro four third video stuff was kind of cool because like, yeah, it's a small sensor, but it is in that traditional 4x3. I see. That makes more sense now. And so what Panasonic is doing here is there, and I put a, a picture in the show notes that maybe it'll make into the final show notes. I'll probably like grab a, a screenshot of like the lib or whatever. I pulled this off of um, manuals.lib, which is the, the actual manual. And like it shows you the different sizes. And so like you have your full frame and then you can shoot with an APS-C crop and then you can shoot with a you know, like a slightly different APS-C crop, but essentially what they do is if you're shooting in 4K-A, it does a true 4K pixel resolution of the sensor because it's a, it's like a, it's over that. It's like a 6K sensor right, or whatever. Right. And so you're getting a true pixel for pixel. And then what they do is they set that crop in a 4 by 3 aspect ratio instead of a 3 by 2 So it's not just I cropping see. it down. It's changing the arrangement of the pixels that they are scanning. Pretty and so cool. they're scanning you a true 4K, 4x3 of the sensor, which is roughly a Super 35 size whenever it's... Well, I mean, it's not really Super 35. Super 35 is 
wider, but it will de-squeeze out if you use a, if you use a 2X anamorphic. Pretty cool. I yeah. feel like the more I hear about that S5 Mark II, like the more it makes me want to use Lumix cameras for video. You know, just, they've done so much. seems like they think of everything and they just seem really well suited, yeah, suited for that stuff. They're really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I like it. This kind of uh, reminds me of another topic, which I wasn't going to get into until after we talked about these two other topics, but I feel like this ties in too well. So play as in, Daniel. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel. And I'm Lucas. And we're back today to talk more about the gear we use for photo and video. All right. Tell me about this thing. Okay. So are you familiar with like the whole conversation about global shutter and like you have your shutter angle, shutter, well, basically shutter angle is what I'm going to get to. Shutter angle versus shutter speed. And we all complain because whenever we're shooting video, we're like, how come I just can't set the shutter angle on my camera? Because I just want to be able to set it to 180. Sure. And instead of have to like do the math of like, am I shooting one over 48 or one mm-hmm. over 60 or whatever? And that it's super dumb that you can't just put it into shutter angle. And so like the Panasonic, Panasonic cameras can do that. Right. You can shoot with shutter angle. Yep. I was thinking about this and I think that I figured it out. The reason that you don't have shutter angle is because it isn't a global shutter. Okay. Explain. I cracked it. Figured it out. On a, on like a normal, like DSL, not DSLR, but like mirrorless camera, technically it's a, it's a, a shutter. It's an up-down shutter. And so you would measure the speed of that shutter. That's two curtains closing. The front curtain opens, the back curtain closes, mm-hmm. and it has some speed to it. And you're going to measure that in fractions of a second. Okay. Mm-hmm. A global shutter is a disc that has a gap in it. And it just spins and spins and spins and spins and spins and spins. And whenever it passes, the open part passes over the sensor, that's when you get the scene. And so something like a RED camera can have, use its electronic curtain style shutter, or it can use a global shutter. You can swap out the shutter style. Interesting. Yeah. I learned that recently. So technically speaking, you're like a Fuji camera doesn't have a global shutter on it so why would they give you shutter angle when it actually has a mechanical like vertical shutter and so you should use shutter speed because technically that's what you have i see what you're getting at but on the other hand the gh5 allowed you to use shutter angle and it certainly did not have a global shutter so i mean I see i see what you're saying and things being technically correct and stuff but i feel like in terms of usability it sure would be nice to just be able to pick 180 degrees. And I know behind the scenes, it's not actually doing that. It's actually setting it to one over 48 or whatever, but like, just let me do that. It's not that hard. But like, it's, it's a lie. It's not true. Well, there's never anything in cameras that's, uh, you know, misleading or not, not exactly how it appears. Right. And then what, what further complicates this is that it's actually not even a shutter, Daniel. (laughs) It's just how long it's scanning the yeah, sensor. Because there's no actual like mm-hmm. like rolling yeah. discs in any of these cameras. Yeah, right? it's it's always scanning like top to bottom, mm-hmm. whatever. But then like how long are those diodes activated? Right. And it's not, you're not even actually like moving a shutter. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it shouldn't even be a matter of shutter speed because that's not technically accurate. 
I guess they should change it to say like sensor readout speed or something, huh? Uh, Diode on time. (laughs) Diode activation duration. (laughs) What's your duration set to? And then then we can set it in milliseconds. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) Is your your duration set to uh, 236 milliseconds? The 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 action is just not going to look uh, filmic this, if you don't set it to this is not the, this is not the future I want <laughs> I'm not here for this no thank you how many how many how many milliseconds is one forty eighth of a second I'm sure we could look that up but I guess I just have to do the math and then move the decimal is that yeah something like that like five hundred milliseconds that that would be a half second I guess yeah. No, five hundred milliseconds so we, we, is we, half we, of fi- a second. Fifty milliseconds. Fifty milliseconds would be one tenth of a second. Oh, jeez, no, forget it, forget yep. it. Yep. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, I kind of like, in the course of like twenty minutes, came full circle on this. Full or, circle. Exactly. 360 degrees. <laughs> Which is one possible shutter angle. Indeed. Was that everyone's wrong? And we shouldn't have shutter angles on like mirrorless style hybrid cameras because they don't have global shutters, but they also don't have curtain shutters that we use during video. So that's also not true either. Is this where you reveal that you're actually a Fuji ambassador now? And this is why you have to be defending that they don't have shutter angle. Okay. So are you being paid off on a, on a Fuji camera? You can set it to one over 48. You're not like any of those plebs out there who are setting it to one over 50. Yeah. They're like, Oh, it's close enough. True. 180 shutter angle, but it's technically more accurate because it's a curtain shutter, but it's an electronic curtain oh, shutter. So, so it's better now. That's what you're saying. I'm just saying that it's more it's more true. It's still a lie, but it's more true than the less true shutter angle. Well, I guess sometimes we have to settle for more true. <laughs> I mean, I guess like what I just what I want is to be able to lock that in. I want to be able to tell the camera I don't care if it's shutter angle. I don't care if it's like a time based curtain shutter. I want you to use one half of the frame rate of yeah. the video yep. or like one over, you know, that duration and lock it in. Yeah. Yeah. That, don't that change seems, it. That seems easy. And that's mostly what you want. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes you crank the shutter if it's really bright outside and you forgot your ND, but for the most part, that's what you yeah. want. I want to so. be able to like, okay, I'm going to change it from 60 P to you know 24 P and not have to think about it. Yeah, I agree. And that's why that's why people want shutter angle. Yeah, they don't want it because it's more technically accurate. I think mm-hmm. they want it because it, it fixes that problem. Yeah, ah, it's frustrating. I, it's just, there's so many things in camera firmware like that where it feels like they could just change one little thing about it to make make your life so much easier, and they just don't do it. I guess for for the XH2S, I haven't really that hasn't been on my mind as much as it was whenever I had the XT3. I mean, I still have the XT3, but for the XT3, like you switch to video mode. And then whenever I was switching between the frame rates, I was then having to like manually swap yeah, clicking the all those little Yeah, and it was and like stuff. it was always a whole thing. Yeah. Versus XH2S, we have seven custom modes, mm-hmm. and so it's like the shutter speed, shutter angle, whatever you want to call it, is is set already for all the different modes, and so I don't really think about right. it anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. But so like maybe that's just like the solution. Yeah. But I don't know if there was some way to designate your your shutter speed without calling it a shutter angle. Mm-hmm. I would I would be okay with that. As yeah. like a final destination for this, and them just not calling it shutter angle because it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm more about the more about the outcome than the the technical stuff. I mean, 
like you said, I don't really care that much about setting the angle, but I just, I really get annoyed having to keep up with that and make sure I have it set right and have to explain to other people to set it right on their cameras. And I just wish all that was simpler. Yep. You can just start explaining global shutters to them. I'll let you do that. And when their eyes glaze over, I'll be like, just set it to one over 60 and be done. (laughs) Just imagine a spinning disc, man. And they're like, what does that mean for my thing? Like, (laughs) yeah, sure. It's like spinning and all this stuff, but like, what do I shut my speed to? (laughs) And you ultimately have this really unsatisfying answer being like, just use one over 50. It's <laughs> just, it's close enough. You just forget about it. <laughs> okay. The other thing, on the last episode, we mentioned that this was going to be a whole Nikon cast episode. The people have been waiting. Just like, I know it's it's been a week and yeah. they're like, where's, or two weeks. Yeah. It's Tuesday no, morning. One week. It's Tuesday morning and they just mm-hmm. woke up and they're like, today is Nikon cast yeah, day. Yeah, they probably put it on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Dana, we're pushing it. Something happened this week. It was Insta360 Go 3, and we just, we have to push Nikon. That's that's pretty disappointing, man. I, I mean, I mean, the people want Nikon. They do. They do. That the, the Z8 is really, really good. And I feel like we gotta talk about it. But not today. I mean, I guess the problem is that, you know, Insta360 has just paid us so much money to talk about this and they've, they've just they've put so much money on the table to release this camera and get people to talk about this camera and we we have to we have to honor that right well i mean maybe if nikon cared more they would buy us off <laughs> maybe they, maybe they would <laughs> <laughs> oh, none of that's true yeah okay. n- none of that is true by the way i mean where, come on where are our insta 360 go 3s uh i mean mine's mine's just at the house well, you, I, we, you didn't get one no <laughs> That's awkward. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. We'll get, we'll, it's coming. We'll get to that. All right. There's another thing I have to clear the air about. Like like I previously mentioned, we don't do follow-up and we don't make corrections. Right. This is not a correction. Mm-hmm. I stand by everything I've ever said about Canon RF glass <laughs> and it being too expensive and like they just need to fill out the mid-range and like it's it's just totally fine. But... What I What I learned... <laughs> Is I'm just I'm just an idiot. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe not that so much. I'm I don't know everything. Okay. I know most things. I don't know everything. And one of the things that I didn't know was that yes, Canon makes a twenty-four to one hundred five f four to f seven point one and a twenty-four to seventy f two point eight, but they also make a twenty-four to seventy f four, which I said last episode that if they made that lens and they made it for like 1200 bucks, that's the only thing missing in their line and then everyone should just switch to Canon. So you're saying that lens does exist. The big and question it, is how much does it cost? It's $1,300. <laughs> <laughs> well, they almost hit your price point. Yeah, so um, I have, I've actually brought here some crow and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, so I want to run through what I have found as far as mid-range lenses that Canon offers okay. that I think satisfy that like middle of the road that I've been complaining about for months that they've already taken care of and I just don't care enough to know about it. Awkward. Yeah, a little bit, but we're going to go through it. All okay. Right. This is me just like, okay, so maybe like there's enough lenses out there to justify saying that the R8 is probably like the best bang for your buck full frame camera and you could just buy an F4 <laughs> lens and be happy. <laughs> It's just a, it's, it's a good camera, okay? Like 4K 60 on crop for $1,500 on full frame. Like, come on. <laughs> it's like 30 megapixels or whatever. That's no, 24 megapixels. Okay. The first 77 millimeter filter thread has optical image stabilization. $1,300. 24 to 105 F4. 
constant f4 through the range. That's a pretty. I mean, on full frame, that's full a, frame. That's a pretty solid choice. Like that's that's not great. I mean, everybody everybody wants that low depth of field on full frame, but f4 and full frame is what? It's about f2.8 on APS-C. Yeah, it's not bad. That's the lens to buy, in my opinion. I mean, that's that's about like our venerable Tamron seventeen to seventy. Yeah, and, yep, and you know the do it all do it all lens. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like if you're coming into Canon and you buy anything that's an R7 or cheaper, which would be like the seven, the ten, the R50, the R8, any of those, mm-hmm. I think this is it. Like this is the lens you buy, and then maybe you buy like one prime. So you got like a fifteen hundred dollar camera. A $1,300 lens. That feels right to me. Yeah. Usually, like, your your best lens or your most versatile lens is going to be about that much. Mm-hmm. And sure, they like they have this L-series glass out there, you know, $3,000 if you really got to go sure. for it. But I guess, I guess the mid-range does exist. Yeah, I guess so. Also, on this list, they got you your ultra-wide taken care of, too. 14 to 35 F4, optically stabilized. Also, seventy-seven millimeter filter thread. Oh, so you could just you just buy both of these things. You could yeah. swap your ND between them. This one's fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, a little bit the, higher. Yeah, but those two lenses, you got fourteen to one hundred five, which mm-hmm. is probably what most people are going to use for most situations. Yeah, that fourteen to thirty-five would be a good like vlog lens, that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, well, you're good for do a lot of stuff. People still do vlogs. I mean, you know, it's people try. Yeah, they try. It's out there. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, I thought that was a good option. Mm-hmm. All right, and then I got I got uh, the super zoom on here, which is twenty four to two forty f four to f six point three, which fine, but eight hundred bucks they got a super zoom for you. Wow, yeah, that's uh, that's impressively cheap, and even I guess it does have a variable aperture, which isn't great, but yeah. it's still that like that's better than a lot of these other kit lenses and stuff that we've been seeing with those cameras. I just I feel like I see most people talk about like the two point eight fast zooms mm-hmm. or they talk about the super super cheap zooms that like just came out for APS-C for RF and I don't feel like I mean I didn't even know that they had the 24 to 105 built yet for some yeah. reason mm-hmm. it just kind of gets glossed over when that's most likely the, the right lens for most people at this point. yeah it's interesting I do kind of feel like you're changing your perspective a little bit too though because I feel like you've always been a you know the glass has got to be fast like you know don't don't accept anything but the widest possible aperture. I mean, that's, and now you're saying like f four is an option for people. That's for me. If you're on full frame, I feel like f four is it is an option. Like it's a it's a decent option. I mean, it is annoying for Canon that you don't have a fast version mm-hmm. that's within price range. I mean, I guess like the, for your comparison on your like your Sony's or your uh, maybe not an Icon, but like you can get a 2.8 for less than two thousand dollars. Yeah. Versus versus Canon, which you just can't. So no, like yeah, their lenses not, not are the lenses yeah. are still expensive. The mount is still closed, and like I think those things are still a problem. But the fact that they do have these lenses that I guess I hadn't realized existed, you know, it, it evens out the lineup enough, and it makes it it makes it more reasonable for me to say, yeah, sure, you can buy a Canon, you'll be okay. Yeah. Because you can get you know, a few lenses mm-hmm. that work for you. And then they have this upgrade path where you can, you know, move on to spend way too much money on some pretty crazy lenses. Yeah. Which one of, they have this, this zoom here, 28 to 70 F2. That's pretty fast. Yeah. No one else makes that. I can't like, I can't think of another full frame zoom that's that fast. Yeah. That's impressive. It's huge. 
It's bigger than the 70 to 200 F4. Does this say 95 millimeter filter thread? Yes, it does. That's ridiculous. It's enormous. <laughs> and it also costs $2,900. Oh my gosh. That, that feels pretty niche. I mean, I guess if you're a wedding photographer, maybe that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But geez. It's so fast though. Yeah. It's what, F2. Weighs three and a half pounds? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's still less than a knocked. But, it, <laughs> but it's enormous. Man, I wonder how many of those they're going to sell. That's. I mean, I bet they sell quite a few for people who like, they need the versatility of a zoom, but they need mm-hmm. the speed of a prime. Yeah, I mean, if, I, you're, if you're shooting events in the dark, like that, that's a pretty good choice. I can't think of a, I can't think of a Sony one that's that, that's that fast for full frame, and I can't think of a Nikon one. And yeah. uh, the L series doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this looks exclusive to me. Yeah, for RF, where if you need a fast, fast, fast zoom, what else is she gonna do? It's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it's neat to have the option. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot to mention the F four seventy to two hundred. Which okay. is also uh, the same filter fret thread, 77 millimeters, and it's $1,500 and optically stabilized. Oh, All nice. of these F4s are optically stabilized, it seems. Yeah. And so, like, they have you covered from 14 to 200 with lens stabilization at F4 constant through that whole mm-hmm. range. And, and they're all, like, 13 to $1,500. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, you buy a lens a year. We kind of like keep building out your your R7 or your R8 kit, and then mm-hmm. you know maybe like you sell those and buy the the faster ones. And yeah. it seems like they they actually do have these stepping stones in here. Which for the longest time I felt like it was like you either buy the six hundred dollar lens or you buy the twenty eight hundred dollar right. lens. So I don't, I don't want to get way into this, but does this change the equation for you? I mean, it does. Would, would you recommend somebody buy like a Canon R7 or something, yeah, knowing the, the, that this is there? I don't know how I didn't realize that these lenses existed. I don't know why I thought the mount was still incomplete in this way. But yeah, like this changes it for me. I would recommend to somebody a 24 to 105 and an R8 mm-hmm. and if their budget was $3,000 and they wanted full frame. Yeah. Yeah. I would say you probably are going to be in a better situation if you buy a used A7 IV and then find yourself a Sigma Prime. I think that, you know, that probably would be cheaper and more like growable. I mean, anything Sony, you're going to have a lot of options to move forward. Yeah. You know, and fewer with Canon. I did hear a rumor that Canon has started talks with certain companies like Sigma. Oh, they might open up that mount, huh? I mean, it's it would be pretty cool. Competition's gotten pretty crazy out yeah. there like i mean you got lumix doing all their stuff mm-hmm. l mount lenses are starting to pick up yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's like lumix all of a sudden big competitor out there mm-hmm. you know fuji's just cranking it and like nikon's like we still exist did you see the z8 <laughs> best hybrid camera you can probably buy right now and so like canon's like oh shoot mm-hmm. what are we gonna do so you think canon might be feeling the heat a little bit i mean maybe they got to hold that number one position somehow and right now yeah. they're just losing it and losing it to sony yeah yeah and i mean you know they're really seeing like the power shot v10 but that's not getting it back so no, maybe not. maybe they'll open up the mount they'll, they'll open up the mount and then they're going to release that r1 and then then we'll all be happy pretty cool i don't know okay we'll see that's it i've i've, I've done my penance <laughs> <laughs> Paid my dues. Mm-hmm. Canon's a completely acceptable can- camera brand and has good colors and has, has actually has lenses you can buy. <laughs> the crow has been eaten. <laughs> okay, let's let's get in, let's get into the r- the real thing here. All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about the Insta three sixty Go three. All right, so we made some jokes about this, but. The Insta360 definitely made a splash this week. Feels like everyone made a video on it. Everyone got at least one, and it seems like multiple free cameras from Insta360, except for us. 
So we've seen all of those videos and we've read a lot about this camera and I'm curious what your thoughts are. Oh my gosh. I, I know about the Insta360 Go 1 and 2 and I thought they were like kind of neat. Maybe the video quality could be better. Cool mm-hmm. little cheap, you know, dumb camera that you can like stick places. They like, they like the 3 watching all these videos and like the added mount thing and all this stuff. I'm like, maybe I need this in my <laughs> life. Like I'm <laughs> seriously considering that I probably need one of these. It feels like they really stepped it up. I mean, it went from being kind of a a niche action camera to maybe being like a good default choice for most people. Mm-hmm. Yep. So give me like, give me the, the short of what is like, there's Insta360, which make, they mm-hmm. make 360 cams and they have a lot of different versions of them. What is the 360 Go? So it's a, I mean, th- this version kind of changes it a little bit, but basically it's the smallest possible action camera that, exists right it weighs like 20 to 30 grams it's this little tiny like pill shaped thing and it's not it's not a 360 camera so even though it's made by insta 360 it's a normal like fisheye wide angle single camera uh but it's just this little tiny camera that you can stick in all kinds of different places um you know or or mount you know like on a hat or whatever and it's just a little action camera to expand on that if like hold you hold out your thumb and you look at it that's how big it is. Is it really that small? It's as big as your thumb. Yeah. And it weighs 35 grams. Mm-hmm. The lens on this has been basically the same from version to version. And so it's, it shoots at 170 degrees. Yeah. So basically anything in front of it, it sees. Mm-hmm. And then you bring the footage into the app. And because it's a 180 degree camera, you can frame it however you want. And so they do really cool things like this horizon lock where they just take that 16 by nine frame or vertical frame and then they lock the horizon. And then mm-hmm. it just, it's perfectly stabilized because it has all this extra yep. you know, footage that it doesn't have to use. Mm-hmm. So it's basically doing like warp stabilizer in the app with, with all this extra data. Yeah. And you can shoot in different aspect ratios. So if you want to do mm-hmm. like vertical or square or normal 16 by nine, it can do all that. It is a little bit lower resolution than, you know, like maybe what we're used to now. It's, sure. it's going to be a max of like 2.7K. Right. Still pretty good. And but, if you're shooting in yeah. 2.7K, that's up to 50P. Mm-hmm. And so you don't even get the 60. You're getting like 25, 24, 30, or yeah. 50. Yep. Yep. It does have a slow motion mode that's 1080P. So there, that does exist. But yeah, I mean, this is going to be a little bit lower resolution than like your average mirrorless camera or even something like a GoPro. And I think this was the biggest complaint from people coming from the Go 2, which is the record modes and the resolutions and all that stuff is basically the same. And like the the device itself, like the actual just like camera module seems like it's essentially the same, mm-hmm. but none of the accessories work with from the two to the three. Yeah, well, that's And it is, but it is also like, totally different yeah so what what did they improve okay so they added this like latching mechanism on it so previously it was just magnets mm-hmm. and now it has like a latch so some of those accessories you magnetize it on but it also clips in okay and you have to like press a mechanical button to remove it so it's, it's more a, yeah. more secure Definitely. which is great mm-hmm. the magnets are much stronger and so you get a better more secure connection to whatever you magnetize it to because you can magnetize it to anything yep. that's metal mm-hmm. or ferrous Okay, uh, they added better microphones, so it has dual mics on it. And from what I, like all the different videos that I watched, the microphones are pretty.
pretty stinking good. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to compare to like a good external microphone, but in terms of having something built in, it seemed great. And then the battery life is way better. Yeah, which is like, let's be fair, that's not still not great. It's 40-ish minutes on just the just the Go camera itself. Mm-hmm. And then the big thing that they added was this action pod. So previously... It was like the it was like the case itself kind of opened up and mm-hmm. then you could use it as like a little tripod. Yeah. Now they have basically what looks like a GoPro with a flip-up mm-hmm. screen that you can slot the the camera into. And whenever yeah. you slot it into it, you can get up to 170 minutes of runtime. That's, that's much better. So you can use it as like a charging thing or you can record inside the little action pod. It's basically like the Go One and uh, the Go One I don't think had anything. I think that one was just a little camera. And right. then the Go Two, they kind of added something that was sort of like an AirPod case. Right. Where you could charge and you could kind of hold it that way. But I mean, it, it was it, it didn't do much. And now they basically made it like a little modular GoPro. It's it makes it so cool because it's basically a GoPro and like you can flip up the screen, and like see yourself or you can look at it. But then also you can take the little thing out and then have the super tiny camera. Mm-hmm. And then like the super cool thing is the screen still works yeah. when you take it yeah. out. That That is to me probably the killer feature of it. And that's that was the most exciting thing to me because that feels like such a normal problem with these action cams is you want to put it somewhere, but then... How do you make sure you're framing your shot right? How do you know if it's actually recording? And so Mm -hmm. it's super cool to have a wireless monitor that you can use to to set all that stuff. And also trigger it recording. Yeah. It's it's just super, super cool. And it's like, just pop it out. And it's still, it's like, what? Mm -hmm. That's like, that was so cool to me. I'm like, I got this. I have to have this. Yeah. This is it's it's too neat. Yep. And it looks like it's maybe about sixteen or so feet that you can get away from it mm-hmm. with that action. Yeah. Pod. So you're not you're not going a long distance, but mm-hmm. it's far enough. Right. So a lot like pretty big improvements yeah. over the two. Like not so much the recording aspects as far as the types of footage you can get, but you're going to be able to record longer and you have mm-hmm. a better like charging case and pod thing and the microphones are better and the battery's better and it's just this huge improvement the magnets and the mounting options and all this stuff i i will say i think you're underselling the the record modes a little bit because i mean sure on on paper it's not like you can record in different resolutions and stuff but i know i saw at least one comparison where they just showed the footage from the go to next to the footage from the go three in like a vlog type situation mm-hmm. and the go three colors looked dramatically better than the go to i mean it it seemed like a major improvement to me just in terms of image quality over the go-to. Did you see that in any of the stuff you looked at? I didn't really see too many comparisons. Okay. I did think the image quality was fine. Mm-hmm. Like, it's perfectly fine. That's kind of an interesting thing about this is that I feel like, you know, we're, we talk on this podcast a lot about, you know, what camera has the best image quality. And we're always talking about, you know, 10-bit, 422, and you know, recording in raw and and all this stuff. And I mean, we're very concerned about like, what is the cleanest, best image we can get? But I think that this is a good example of how cameras have gotten good enough that it just doesn't matter most of the time. And if you're making a TikTok video or, you know, you just want to do a quick, you know, vlog shot and a YouTube video, like any camera you can buy now is going to have more than good enough image quality. And I kind of think we're getting to where it just doesn't matter quite as much. I think the sell and the trade-off for the Insta360 Go, like it isn't as good as image quality, obviously, but it can get shots that you wouldn't be able to get mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was the big pitch, clearly, that people were making in their videos for this. And I 
I've, I've made a list here and we'll, we'll come back to some of these specs in a second, but I've, I've started kind of building a list of all the different uses that I've seen. And man, I was, I was, I was wondering before I run through this, I don't even know if you've read this list, but if you can like brainstorm some crazy ideas for what you could do with an Insta 360 go. I mean, I, so I have read the list that you made. Oh. I've seen some of these videos. I mean, there, there's some, there's some wild stuff. One that you don't have on your list that I thought was just just really blew my mind was recording inside your mouth. Yeah, no, that was that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that was the Casey Neistat video yeah. where he put the thing in his mouth and then he like took a drink of coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, awesome. Yeah, I mean the the unimaginative answer is something like putting it on a hat, and that sounds really dumb, but that's something that even with a GoPro, like you look like a complete nerd putting trying to put a GoPro on your head. Whereas this is just like this little thing that you can just clip on your hat. And like, that's, that's an example of something you can do with this camera, but tell me about some of the other yeah, ones. Yeah. So like the, well, just using it for first person, whether that be on your hat or be on your chest mm-hmm. with their necklace attachment, which they added this thing, like you, it, you wear this necklace and it has a, a, like a magnet in it. And then you can, they made it with a, uh, like a, a wedge so that you can change the angle. So if you're not quite getting just the right oh. tilt on it, you can kind of get a better tilt, but the first person recording thing seems to be like one of the big main pitches of this of i'm going to show someone how to do something which is i think is really cool yeah but some of the like the wild things that i saw were uh one make art now kind of just trumped everybody with Uh, all the fireworks stuff that was that was one of the coolest videos i've ever seen it was nuts (laughs) but he he brewed coffee in it like i saw a bunch of people you know oh i'm gonna put it in the bottom of a cup and i'm gonna pour something on it or i'm gonna like put it under the grinder and do the the grinding thing in it uh josh yo was like I'm just going to brew, literally brew coffee onto it and then see if it shuts off due to high temperature, which it did. Mm. And but it's like just pouring 200 degree yeah. coffee brewing straight onto the, that was, that was awesome. Yeah, that was. He attached it to an M80 firecracker <laughs> and blew it up. <laughs> he attached it to an artillery shell. <laughs> that, that, was, that was, I mean, that, that video is next level. Yeah. It's, I, I knew when this thing came out, that the two videos and I, I honestly I only watched like three or four videos in this thing, but the two that I knew I needed to watch were Jesse Driftwood and Josh Yeo. Yeah, I haven't seen the Jesse Driftwood one. Yeah. But like he blew he literally blew it up <laughs> multiple times and it didn't break. Yeah. There was one part where he was like, it's on fire, and then they put it out and it still works. <laughs> so this thing is crazy durable mm-hmm. you can stick it underwater down to like five feet and so some of the other things that i saw were someone put it in a, in a pinball table yeah that was a cool video too that was neat i liked the one where uh, someone stuck it behind like on a brake caliber behind the spokes of a wheel mm-hmm. uh, obviously a lot of like putting it on a dog or putting it on a skateboard or a roller skates or a one wheel yeah Insta makes an accessory where you can mount it in a fetch toy. <laughs> so you can like throw it and have your dog bring it back and get those kind of shots. That's cool. It's like, it's 35 grams. So it like weighs nothing. Mm-hmm. And so impacts on it are pretty minimal as long as you're like dropping it straight into concrete and yeah. that sort of thing. Yep. And so it's like, it's super durable and super mm-hmm. light. So you can just like put this thing anywhere you can imagine. It would be a crazy perspective. Yeah. People used to use the go-to on drones, on FPV drones, because Mm -hmm. it was one of the few cameras that was light enough that most drones could carry it and you could get some pretty good footage. But this camera, you could still do that same thing, but the quality just seems so much better and you get all these other mounting options and that wireless monitor. 
and it just seems like you can do some really cool stuff with it. It's like whatever you could imagine. You could like stick it in a bird feeder. That'd be cool. Yeah, it would be cool. I saw someone like just slap it on the front of their car. Why not? Probably for safety. It's not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> but we might lose your camera, I guess. I don't know. Like just there's there were so many crazy ideas. And yeah. I was like, this is why I need this camera. Because it's like you're you're probably not going to break it. It's so light. You can basically put it anywhere. And that's kind of the whole thing with the mounting systems. They have so many different mounts. Mm-hmm. So like they have this, they have a hat, like a hat clamp. And then we talked about like the chest thing that they, that they make. And then they have this like monkey's tail deal where it's like, it's, it seems like a gorilla pod, but with one leg. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, like a moldable little stick that you can use. Mm-hmm. So you like wrap it around your, your bike rack or mm-hmm. your arm or whatever. Yeah. And then they have this, uh, this like sticky lock thing or whatever. And so it's a, it's a stand and then you can take off the bottom of it and have it just like a regular quarter 20, but you can also put this like sticky pad thing on it that will like stick to a dash or wherever you want to stick it to. And it's like, it's the washable kind where, you know, you, it will be sticky later if Mm -hmm. it it gets dirty. It'll be sticky now and it'll be sticky later. Exactly. Just like having a two year old. (laughs) What other, what other mounting options did they throw out there? Uh, I mean, you know, they, they showed obvious things like putting it on a helmet, stuff like that. Um, well, I think they've got well, like, it seemed like stick mounts like that. You could you could stick it on a selfie stick or you could mount it to normal like action mount yeah. things where mm-hmm. you could get the two little prongs and, and that sort of thing. So it seems like there's so many different solutions mm-hmm. out there where like they want you to be able to put this wherever you yeah. want to put it. Well, and you, you do have a lot of extra options given how light it is and also given the 180 degree uh, lens and the ability to reframe a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's something that I've always felt like is a really big plus to these Insta360 cameras because you don't have to perfectly care about framing. Because, you know, if you're in the middle of doing something, you're just trying to film it, it's really annoying. You have to worry about, you know, is the camera pointed exactly right? And so it's super cool that you kind of have like a limited ability to reframe or right. do a horizon lock or something like that. And that gives you more mounting options too. Yep. Just being able to slap this on something and have it have it go yeah (laughs) it's pretty cool it's pretty cool and it seems like whenever you go to buy it they have a bunch of options for what how you might you use it and Mm -hmm. you can buy different mounting packs for bicycles or motorcycles or cars or whatever Mm -hmm. so you can kind of get get the different kits doesn't have interchangeable storage which i thought was interesting yeah i mean it's not that surprising like the thing's so lightweight even adding like a micro sd card slot that compromises on things like waterproofness and I mean, it's just going to add weight. Yeah, so that's probably fine. How, but it how seems like it it transfers really slow. It does seem like that's the case. Well, because like the only interface for the Insta360 Go itself is the little pogo pins on it. Mm-hmm. So you have to put it in the Action Pod, and then you connect the Action Pod to your computer or whatever you're going to connect it to. I guess you could probably put it on an iPad or something. But it has to transfer all those video files, which are recording at 80 megabits per second. Yeah, and you can get it this in like up to 128 gigs. And so it's really slow to transfer yeah. <laughs> over and then over. I think one of the videos said 20 minutes of video took him like 40 minutes to copy yeah, or something. That, that's a little painful. Yeah. So it's it's, it's going to take a while mm-hmm. to get this stuff off, especially if you do like Bluetooth to your phone. Yeah. Jeez. That's a downside. How, how long can you record? I mean, so I know the sizes go from like 32 to 128, but I mean, what what are we looking at on that? So I think that with, man, I think the 64 you could get like... 
170 minutes. I think that was the battery, but I think that's also roughly about how much you can record okay. on it. Okay. It's like two hours or something yeah. like that. I think it's basically the 64 gig will get you through a day of just kind of shooting, mm. maybe not continuous shooting. I mean, like you can do the math. It's it's 80 megabits per second yeah. for the for the video. And so you can divide out and figure out however long that okay. is for for the size and the capacity. Yeah. Okay. And it really seems like they don't want anyone to buy the 32 gig. Really? Like, I don't even know why they make it. Hmm. Maybe, maybe they want to hit some low price point. Well, like 379 or 399 to get the 64. <laughs> that's not like, much of a difference. Like, why it? would you not pay 20 bucks to double your storage? Well, that's kind of making me wonder if it's a, um, is that like an intro price? Maybe they're going to, maybe the, maybe the 64 is just discounted right now. But cause yeah, I mean, why would you not pay 20 bucks for double the storage? That's kind of goofy. Right. And then, but going to 128 gigs is significant. Mm. I'm trying to find where I wrote it down here. 509 to get to 128 gigs. <sighs> so you're adding $110. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So like. I don't know who's like you don't need you probably don't need to jump to 128. Mm-hmm. 64 is a sweet spot. They probably made a billion 64 gigs and didn't make any 32s or 128s because they're not going to sell them. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, because there's going to be some people that are going to complain and you know, oh, I want the maximum storage possible, and so they'll sell some at that. But yeah, and then it they sounds have to like have 64, their enterprise range or whatever. Yeah, it sounds like 64 is probably the right choice for most people. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So looking back, kind of at some of these specs again. We talked about like the, the frame of view and that sort of thing. I thought this okay. I thought this was a little a little deceptive, but I get it. Marketing the lens itself is f two point two, but they don't give you what the thirty five mm equivalent of that is. Like we don't know how big the sensor is or what the crop factor is. Okay, but they do give you the ang- the focal length as eleven point five full frame equivalent. Interesting, but they don't give you the they give you it's one hundred and seventy degrees but not what the actual like millimeter of the lens is mm. for that, like the actual lens. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, they, it's some very tiny sensor. It like, is, yes. We, we know that for sure. It just, it would be interesting if you're thinking in 35 millimeter already as far as the focal length, why not just give me the F-stop in the same thing <laughs> yeah. instead of making it sound way faster than it is? Yeah, that's kind of weird. It, it is a little weird because the shutter speed only goes up to one over 8,000. Okay. And you're at F2.2. And then obviously it's like, it's cranking the shutter to make, make exposure. And it has a base ISO of 100 and a max ISO of 3,200. So like, it's very constrained. It's yeah. a super, super tiny sensor at ISO 3,200. That is, that's not a lot. No. That thing is going to, it's going to basically have no low light capability. Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's kind of normal for action cameras. Right. And it's almost like, when I see a low base ISO like that, it makes me think that they had some noise target and they just want to stay below that noise target. Sure. But then like you swing the other way, are you going to have issues in bright sunlight? Yeah. It didn't seem like anyone had issues. Mm-hmm. Every, there were so many videos that were outside, no problems. You could see the blue skies. Everything was fine. It, it has got to be tuned for bright sunny days. Right. Well, I'm wondering because like at one over 8,000, like that's... I mean, that's not very, it's fast, but mm-hmm. there's been cases where like on my camera, one over 8,000, it's not fast enough. Yeah. But obviously like- You're pulling in more light. I'm pulling in way more light because the sensor is significantly larger, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I mean, I didn't really see any cause for concern in the footage I saw. It definitely does struggle in low light. Like the one video I can think of that showed that was Make Art Now when he 
you know, shooting off the fireworks, like as it started getting darker, I mean, the shots from the camera were definitely not as good. So that's going to be a weak point of the camera. But I don't know. I mean, it seemed fine, I guess. Yeah, it seemed fine. And it does record everything to H.264. So you're not getting the high, the better compression video. Sure. And that means it's probably not going to be 422. It's 420, 8-bit, mm-hmm. H.264. Yeah. So like it just it does feel constrained, mm-hmm. but like it's the tiniest little baby camera. I mean, if you compare it to the GoPro 11, which we've used, it's not the image quality is not going to match the GoPro. If if that's what you care about, then the GoPro is still going to be the right choice. But you know what what you gain instead is just all this flexibility and where you can place the thing, mm-hmm. having wireless monitoring, all that stuff. So one of the things that I was having trouble deciphering was all the different record modes. Like how how do you use this thing? Mm-hmm. And if you go look at their website, Insta's website, they say like, oh, we have this like free frame video mode and then regular video mode, time lapse, time shift, pre-recording, loop recording. And I'm trying to find somewhere where it defines what those <laughs> things are. And not all the videos really, I don't know, they don't really use those terms, right. right? They just show you how to use the camera. Yeah, exactly. And so I kind of wanted to run through some of those and see if you could explain them to me. I don't know if I can. I know that the time shift thing, you can tell it when to record stuff. So you can like set it somewhere and say at four o'clock, I want you to record for 30 minutes. That's that's straightforward. I yeah. think I can understand that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool. It turns itself on. Mm-hmm. It records and it turns itself off. That's pretty neat. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm into it, Daniel. You're not, you're not as excited about this as I am. I was like, that's a great feature. <laughs> I can't immediately think of what I'd do with it, but that's kind of cool. I mean, you put it in that birdhouse thing. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe like you know, you're you're doing like a time lapse of the of the sunset every every night for the next yeah. ten years or something. And for the next ten years, sure. It's gonna take you forever to get that footage up or whatever. <laughs> okay, free frame video. What do you, what do you suppose that I is? I think free frame video is probably the thing where. You're recording with this 180 degree uh, lens, and then after you've recorded, you can go and change the framing of that shot, like to get a like 16 by nine thing out of it. That's my guess. Right. So you're not really picking your aspect ratio ahead of time. You're just yeah. recording the whole thing, and then you go in and, and change it after the fact. Mm-hmm. So that will basically require you to bring this into the, either the app on your computer or your phone, right? And then make the video that you want to make and then export Mm -hmm. it versus where you can just shoot it as a 16 by nine video. Right. But you get the advantage that you don't have to get your framing. Exactly. Right. right. I think that it does do the thing that GoPro does where you have like the different, you know, angles of view where you Mm -hmm. have like this hyper view or whatever and wide and linear. Yeah. Linear makes it basically look rectilinear. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. So you can do all those things or you can shoot, just the whole, like basically like shooting open gate, you know, give me everything and I'll figure it out later. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to have both those options. I yeah, feel like I the, the free frame video thing is to me, like the main thing that I would want to use because I would want to be able to just kind of have this on hand and like just record. Yeah, I agree. Like, you don't want to have to think about it that much. You know, if you stick it with that necklace mount thing on your shirt or mm-hmm. something, you don't want to have to be thinking about like, Oh, is it pointed slightly down? Like, you know, as long as it's close, then you could frame it up later and be fine. So I guess like how you use this thing, it has a has like a record button on it and you just you just start and stop it and it like plays a sound, right? I think that's right. But they had some other interesting stuff where like one thing was that you can have it 
you can have it so that you press the button and it actually saves like the previous 30 seconds of footage and then starts recording. So I think that's the pre-recording thing. I think you're right. And that impacts your battery a bit because it's always capturing. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing some activity and you know that, you know, I don't want to have to sift through all this footage, Yeah. but I just want to be able to capture like the last previous thing that happened. Mm-hmm. There you go. So like Jesse Driftwood showed that in his video, he was doing uh, skateboard tricks and he set up the camera to, re- to record his tricks and he put this pre-record mode on. And so basically he would do a trick and if he succeeded at it or if he fell in a funny way or something, he would press the button and it would capture the previous 30 seconds. So he'd get his thing. And then you only have the good parts. You don't have all the, you know, hours and hours of failing, you know, and I mean, that that seems like a perfect example of how to use it. And that's a super cool feature. Yeah, that sounds great. What is loop recording? Well, I mean, I have to imagine it's that you start recording and then when you run out of space, it it just deletes the oldest stuff. So, I mean, that almost seems like a security camera type mode. Like a continuous recording type thing. Yeah. I mean, man, you'd be you'd be offloading footage for a long time with that but. Yeah, especially if you have the 128 version but but maybe you can i mean we're kind of guessing here but maybe you can set how long of a thing that is like maybe you can say record on a five minute loop and just keep deleting the oldest stuff and then it's sort of like that pre-record thing where you could you know you could say i want to just be filming for a while and then i'll come stop it at some point and i know i'll have the most recent five minutes of footage that sounds maybe more yeah useful. it lets you set a loop duration of one three five ten fifteen twenty up to 30 minutes basically so it's not forever but yeah. up to 30 minutes that's, and then it just keeps recording that sounds that sounds useful to me i can imagine cases where you would use that you could almost use this as a dash cam mm-hmm. like if you didn't want to buy a dash cam <laughs> but you just had your insta 360 you could toss that up there every time you get in the car you could <laughs> I'm just saying it might overheat, which was a thing. People use this for, oh, I'll just set it on my dash Mm -hmm. with the sticky mount and record a hyperlapse of driving, and then it overheats because it will shut down. It'll stop recording and turn off if it gets too hot. Mm -hmm. And multiple people saw that. I don't know where that temperature is. It's probably like if it gets over 115, that sort of thing. It's going to turn off. Maybe that limits it in some cases. But that's that's not uncommon for these action cams. We saw it with the GoPro 11. Yeah. You just, we just had it on the windshield and oop, there it goes. Yep. Overheated. Yep. So just you got to watch out for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about how the the action pod itself is not submersible? I don't think we did. So the the Go 3 itself is waterproof to some reasonable amount. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, the it's action like pod f- is it's not. It's like 5 meters basically. Yeah. So 16 feet or something mm-hmm. underwater which you know most pools that sort of thing but not diving right however i think they're supposed to come out with some sort of case that you can then use it for diving if you need sure. to that doesn't surprise me yeah but the action pod is, is not so that's just the little unit that's uh waterproof but it is ip4x so like you can get caught in the rain or spray mm-hmm. with water and it's probably fine yeah but you just you just don't want to submerse it yeah i think this thing is great i think so too uh i mean I, I've always wanted to own an action cam just because I think they have some cool uses, but my life feels like it's not extreme enough for that. You know, like I just don't feel like I do cool enough stuff for it. But this one to me seems like the most compatible with the types of things I do and the types of things I would like to film. Just because you can put it anywhere, you can get those unique shots you can't get with anything else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it looks like it's really easy to use. I like the wireless monitoring feature. And I mean, yeah, I think it looks great. I liked when Potato Jet used it on on a stick on a drone to get a third-person view of a drone. (laughs) I thought that was fun. That is pretty cool. 
I always want to record more video, mm-hmm. like just for me, you know, oh, I'm going on a trip. I want to like shoot more video and have those memories or that sort of thing. Or maybe like this project that we're working on having a very interesting angle would be kind of cool. And it's a lot of times, even just taking my phone out is too obtrusive. It's like people like know you're recording yeah. and then everything's different mm-hmm. versus this where, I mean, like don't be a creep or anything, but you, you can get, the footage of like whatever you're doing. And so you're on your trip or you're with your family or whatever, and you want to capture some of those moments. Like this is, it's so easy. You don't have to think about framing Mm -hmm. and it, I mean, it's just, it's just there and it's so small. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was what some people said about it was that, you know, you go to a a public place, you know, with a big camera and you're probably going to get people, you know, looking at you funny or asking you questions, asking you if you have a permit, that kind of thing. Whereas something like this, they're not even going to know it's there. Right, exactly. So like, it opens up a lot of that stuff, mm-hmm. but then also the whole aspect of like how many different angles. Now you can see your framing with this wireless monitor that's just built into it. Yep. It has good mics. You don't have to worry about, you know, is the audio is going to be trash? So I have to like capture audio separately for this thing and then like sub it in and B-roll. The audio on it's probably going to be reasonably usable, especially yeah. with all of the corrective tools that are now built into Resolve and other mm-hmm. editing platforms. You're probably going to be able to use most audio for whatever, you know, whatever you're working on. Yeah, yeah. I still think the, you know, kind of something I said earlier, like I think some of this is a mindset shift in what makes for good video and what kinds of things you're looking to capture because you're not going to get cinema quality video out of this thing but i think a lot of times you don't need that and you know cameras in general this one included are good enough now that you could take this footage and you could use it in a youtube video and people wouldn't think twice about it i mean all the videos i watched in this thing when people showed the footage from it it was just so cool to see that angle Mm -hmm. that i didn't care that it was a little bit lower resolution and i think that's fine i would love to this is perfect for those how to's you put it on your mm-hmm. hat or you put it on whatever and you can like first person show somebody how to do something, which is great using it for top down, like rigging, oh, rigging up cameras yeah. for top down shots is always a little nerve wracking. If you're not using a C stand mm-hmm. or whatever, and you can't ever get it like quite right. This, you just boop, yep. magnetize it, it to whatever, there. put some double sided tape on that thing. Yeah. It's, it doesn't weigh anything. Yeah. So just, the option of like how many different cool things people like magnetize it to a knife and like do cuts and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's so fun. Yeah. You like strap it to a, a, a hot wheels car and mm. run it down a track. <laughs> I'm saying Super there's so cool. many, so many cool little like first person ideas that people had. Yeah. It's just, you could just can't do that really with mm. a mirrorless camera yep. or even with an iPhone. Yep. So we talked a little bit about the, you know, like the intro, you know, like 32 gigabyte, like camera only price. But I mean, how much are you realistically going to pay if you buy one of these things? Yeah. So if you just want the normal, what it comes with, which I think it has the action pod and the camera, and then maybe one of them, one or two of the mount systems, like the sticky mount or that sort of thing. I have to like go pull this up, I guess. But you're, you're basically paying $400. Yep. And then if you want one of the more, inclusive kits then it's going to be you know it's maybe closer to 500 yeah yeah like i'm looking at this now and like 64 gig with some of those accessories and stuff it's like 540 so it can it can add up um but 
you know, feels pretty reasonable. I mean, for comparison, a GoPro 11 by itself is 400 right now. I think that's on sale. So about in that price range, but you know, obviously different tool for a different job can do some different stuff with it. Okay. So I guess it has the standard, you know, mount that has the sticky on the quarter 20. It has the necklace thing, the action pod and the Insta 360 go three. Yeah. Yeah. I would buy this over a GoPro. I think I would too. But what I really want to know is, are you going to get one of these? Man, I, th- I saw this thing and I said to myself, what if I just got rid of my 16 millimeter lens <laughs> and I bought one of these things? So I, you mentioned that to me the other day and I'm, I'm curious, are you serious about that? No. Because <laughs> I mean, when I think about it, I, I've, I think about what you said you used that 16 for and you're like, I like it because I can get shots when I'm really close to people. And I'm thinking this feels like it kind of fits that same role. So, I mean, what's the difference for you? It's not for photography. I can't get that 1.4 depth of field where something's really close to the lens and then has this like super, like the photography piece, that just doesn't exist for this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a video camera. And then uh, I have this, this other secret vlog channel that's just for my mom. It's about gardening. And I like using my 16 for that because uh, it's like the load of the field and it's wide and like it's, and I mean, this, this could totally replace that functionality. Sure. But then I wouldn't get a great F log two all the time on my <laughs> iPad. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's true. I don't know. I think it's cool. I'm open to the idea of getting one. I'm not sure if I will or not, but I think it could be really neat. Yeah. Like I don't want to spend the money on this right now, but I, I feel like by this time next year, I will own one of these. <laughs> I want it. I want it for travel, like yeah. super bad. I want it to for whatever trips I take to just kind of have. Because mm-hmm. I always, for a lot of the trips that I go on where I'm not focusing on like shooting a video thing or like it's not focused on, oh, I'm going to make content out of this or I'm going to like record a thing. I try to stay out of video mode entirely. Yeah. And I just take pictures. And we've talked about this before where for me going, I'm going to, when I want to relive a moment, I want to, you know, see, see that vacation again, or like that time that we went to this place or, you know, wedding or whatever. I look at the pictures. Yeah. I think that video is so powerful with sound and motion and all this stuff, but it's this much bigger commitment Versus like taking a snapshot and then being able to set that photo as a background or play it on on my Chromecast or Apple TV or have it as a screensaver. And like those pictures are just there and they're present. You can print them and put them on your walls. And I think pictures have this are, are better for a lot of that, you know, memory capturing. Yeah. And so whenever I go places, I basically try, I make, I basically make myself only take photos mm-hmm. and I just, I like turn off the video side of my brain, even though I'm like, Oh, I could shoot a video with this and mm-hmm. then this and this. And like, I can put something together at the end, but then like I'm switching between video and photo and it's like, it's just not worth it. Yeah. And so I try to like, if I am going to shoot a video all of a sudden, I basically just shoot it with my phone and then I take the pictures. Something like this would make video as easy as photos for me. Yeah. Whenever I travel, because yeah. I could just kind of have it and like it could be in my pocket or air and I can like slap it on the necklace thing if I needed to, because you can just wear that thing under your shirt or whatever. And then like, oh, here's all this cool, you know, oh, I want to show people this one thing that you can't really show with video or with, with photo, like you could show it with a video, but I don't yeah. want to like pull out my camera or my phone or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I think this, this makes video way more accessible for some things that I 
don't want to mess with it for. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, for me, I like the idea of having something that I can easily put on like my shirt or a hat and just capture stuff without it being obtrusive. Mm -hmm. Like I think about, you know, visiting an unfamiliar city and like, it'd be cool to just have footage of like just walking around in that city. Yeah. And something like this would be perfect for that. So as you know, one of my favorite kinds of videos to make are very, very long, overly in-depth bag reviews, which <laughs> aware. I really need to make one for my 45 liter Peak Design. I've, I've used it for long enough that I have like all of this B-roll of me packing it, like all of these different ways for different things, and I'm ready. I need to like mm-hmm. finish the script and shoot it. If I had one of these puppies, <laughs> man, I could like put it in the bag, and then you Ooh. could have like all these cool creative shots from inside out or whatever, or you could like take it and kind of like move through and you could get these like tiny little first person views of detail shots or like inside yeah. or whatever. Like you just can't do that mm-hmm. really with an iPhone or with, you know, a mirrorless camera. Yeah. Yeah. It would make my bag reviews better is all I'm saying, Daniel. Pretty cool. I basically need it in order to do that bag yeah, review. You need it for your work, right? Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't do it before, but now I have to have it. <laughs> I've thought that, you know, with some of the events we film, I thought it'd be cool to have something like this and be able to loan it to somebody mm-hmm. that's like more actively participating in the event. Cause think about how cool that footage would be to have like first person footage just maybe playing a game. Oh or something. yeah, like say like you shoot like a youth camp or something and mm-hmm. you're like, hey, just wear this for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like you'd get <laughs> slap su- it on a child. You'd get such cool footage from that. <laughs> it would be pretty cool. Yeah. Like you you could get some really fun stuff. Yeah. I mean I want I want someone to put it on a microphone, like right on the end of the mic and like get some get some of that. I mean we, we <laughs> Why could, not, we right? Could probably make that happen. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's so much fun stuff you could do. Yeah. And that was kind of my favorite part about watching all the different YouTube videos, which I didn't watch that many. I think I watched uh, Potato Jets, Make Art Now, Casey Neistat, and Peter McKinnon's. Mm-hmm. Those are the four that I watched thus far. I'm definitely going to go watch Jesse Drafoods later. Yeah, There was another guy that I watched that I can't remember his name. It was a new, not mm-hmm. new, it's kind of like... A lesser known YouTuber. A, a le- at least not known to me. I started following him. I wish I could remember his name. I would tell you if I had my notes in front of me and it probably doesn't matter whatever anyways it matters to him lucas okay fine it matters to him yeah i gotta get it gotta give him all that all that cred his name was sydney i think i've seen i think i've seen some videos from that guy yeah i don't want to butcher his last name yeah i think he's in dallas actually yeah he said he was in texas yeah he had a video and it was like cicadas in the background i was Mm -hmm. like oh yeah he's in texas (laughs) so i don't know it was cool started following him liked his stuff but Lots of lots of videos on this, but my favorite part of watching everyone's videos were all the different creative things that they could do with it. Mm-hmm. Make Right Now trumped it by blowing it up, which was fantastic. But everyone has some really cool stuff, yeah. like striving to the drone, and then like I really liked all the Casey stuff that he did, mm-hmm. and like you know Peter had some really exciting ideas. It, it's just like it's it's begging for you to be creative mm-hmm. with what you can do with it. <laughs> Yeah, I was really impressed with the videos I saw, and it just kind of struck me that it feels like nobody missed with it. You yeah. know, like like there, everybody came up with something cool to do, mm-hmm. and it makes you feel like you could also come yeah. up with something cool to do with it. It just it feels like one of those things where it's like you do do whatever you want with it, right? You yep. just st- stick it in this thing or put it under this this water or whatever. Mm-hmm. I you probably couldn't put it in a pressure canner. No, probably not. It would it would probably turn probably, off. That would probably kill the go three. Maybe. I don't know, man. <laughs> Josh blew that thing up. Yeah. <laughs> like literally blew it up. <laughs> Still really cool. And you know, I gotta say, I mean, all of the 
all the jokes aside about the marketing, mm-hmm. they they clearly made a huge push for this camera. Yeah. They sent a lot of them out. And I think it was a great move. And I think that more companies need to be spending money on that stuff. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, word gets out, you know, like you, you get enough people to make videos on it. And here we are talking about it, you know, yeah. and I bet a lot of people listening to this podcast have heard something about this camera already because it's like every YouTuber has made a video on it. And some of the other camera companies need to learn from that. It's the perfect thing for the YouTubers, too, because it feels like they said, do whatever you want with it. We like break it we don't care mm-hmm. i mean i don't know if that's what they said but it sure seems like that's what they said <laughs> like see what you can do with it do get yeah. crazy but get creative and i mean it seems like that's what people did and that's what makes me so excited about it. it's like i want to i want to get one of these things so i can do some crazy stuff yeah and i don't know it's like i want to i want to strap it to my dog <laughs> and get all kinds of like crazy dog shots mm-hmm. yeah I think it looks really neat. Um, we'll see. I mean, I, I may end up getting one. It sounds like you're thinking that you'll probably get one at some point. It just, it really captures your imagination in a way that a lot of camera stuff doesn't. Mm-hmm. It gets me excited about making videos. Yeah. Which it's like, unfortunately, if you do like video making long enough, or even for people who do f- photography, you can kind of get into a rut sometimes mm-hmm. with what you're doing. And you're like, man, man I just don't really want to make another one of these things. It's like, I've already figured it out. And like, this is the way we do it. And it's easy and fast. Yep. And, you know, we have a workflow built around it. Or maybe like there's not room to be creative because it's like, this is the main shot or whatever. But something like this, where it's like, this maybe isn't your main shot or it's this extra angle or it's this totally different perspective makes it so that makes it so you have to be creative or gives you this opportunity to be Mm -hmm. more creative and kind of gets it gets me excited i agree yeah i mean a lot of the stuff that you and i shoot now i feel like we're really trying to to make a professional product you know we have really good cameras and lights and lenses and all that and so sometimes yeah it does feel a little limiting you know and it feels like you're it feels like there's pressure to make something that's like really clean and good and What's nice about a camera like this is that because the quality is lower and because it's not trying to be that, it kind of feels like it gives you freedom to not worry about that side of things as much and focus more on just making something that's cool. I feel like people understand without really thinking about it what an action camera is and looks like. Mm -hmm. And they are a lot more forgiving for the quality out of an action camera. So even if you intercut it with something like say you're like a seven R four footage and it looks really, really good. And you, you intercut Insta 360 go footage. People aren't going to complain. Yeah. It's cause like you can't get that angle otherwise. And mm-hmm. I think, I think people understand that. Yeah. I think that also for some of those interview shoots, you could just like wear this on your head and like get some first person interview <laughs> shoots. <laughs> pretty good and be pretty cool cut, cut right to that like yeah. right at the emotional oh, part man. <laughs> oh yeah well and you know there's also like the idea of doing behind the scenes stuff I, I remember seeing wedding photographers you know that put a gopro on top of their camera just so that you can get some shots of you know they can post like a behind the scenes video of like this is what it looks like when i film this wedding this camera would be perfect for that so whenever we were first getting into event shooting and like as paid work i watched a lot of those videos because it's super helpful like if you yeah. don't if you don't know what you're getting into as far as like what to expect or like how to approach certain things, YouTubers, they can go out and like, hey, I do this as a business. I'm just going to wear this first person and you can watch me for, you know, hours. Now you're shadowing yeah. over the shoulder of somebody and like learning how to do mm-hmm. it. It's like you couldn't, you couldn't do that 
without something that's this little pill size, whatever, or GoPro or that sort of thing. It's it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. So you got yours pre ordered and (laughs) I should buy it on the podcast right now. Buy it on the podcast, Daniel. (laughs) Come on. Like that's our thing now, right? When does this thing come out? I mean, isn't it out? Is it out? Is it? I'm gonna hit buy now. I mean, if I need to buy one on the podcast, I guess I'll do it. (laughs) Oh boy. I'm not actually going to buy it on the podcast, but I do want to see if it's actually available. Estimated dispatch within seven days. Nice. Oh, I forgot to mention this now that I'm looking at it. You can get skins for these things. Oh, that's cool. Yep. It's pretty sneaky. There's one that makes it look like a ladybug. (laughs) I'm really into it. I would totally buy a skin for this. Yeah. $10. $10. That's pretty reasonable. Yeah. It's 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 impossible not to. You you kind of have to buy this. Oh, you can for put it. text on it too. Does it, can you replace the lens on this thing? That's a good question. It looked like they took it off for a second whenever they were showing the put the skin on video. Oh, you can you can upload your own image for the skin. Oh, <laughs> Daniel. You can put a picture of your dog on oh there. Oh, my gosh. This is such a good idea. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be thinking about that. Yep. Ooh. I mean, I, it's probably going to take me a long time to be able to order one just because I'm not going to be able to decide what skin I want. Well, for. I mean, you would have to obviously design something bespoke so that it looks like something else. Obviously. Like maybe take a picture of your thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What if, uh, so what if you, you have a hat that you're going to use it as a hat mount and then you like put the hat on and then you take a picture of Ooh, you. So it looks like it's invisible. Uh huh. And then like if someone catches you, it exactly perfectly lined up. They can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. Um, yeah. What if uh, if I had one eye and an eye patch, I would get something to mount this into my eye patch. <laughs> I would look like a cyborg and it would be amazing. <laughs> All right. I, I might th- just do that anyway, Daniel. I think, I'm thinking about it. I think we've gone long enough on this topic. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It has officially jumped the shark. <laughs> oh, geez, no way. I want to think about I want to think about this just a little more. Like. I can with one eye like you're shooting through through the camera with one eye, but then the other eye is an Insta 360 go. <laughs> it's perfect. I think you're losing it. No, it's great. I love it. That's it. I figured it out. <laughs> I need the eye patch accessory. If someone could just make that for me real quick. <laughs> Actually, I just started a Kickstarter. <laughs> it's called Eye Patch Go Three, and uh, you can come support it. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. <laughs> oh boy. Anyways. So on that note, <laughs> I think we've uh, talked quite enough today. All right. I got to go buy one of these things. All right. That's it for the show today. Thanks for listening. And we'd encourage you to rate the show on iTunes and tell a friend, but only if you enjoyed it. You can find out more about us on our website at cameragearpodcast.com. We'll be back with more next week. <laughs>